0: Welcome to another episode of Million Dollar Stories where we get to interview authors all over the world. Uh, This interview is going to be pretty special. We have never done an interview on this topic. So I'm pleased to announce that our first author on this topic, her name is Sarah Zef Geber. And I say in that last name, Geber, right? You are, you got it right on. She put together a book called The Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers, a retirement and aging roadmap For single and childless childless adults. Now, this really hit home because I'm 39 years old and people always ask me all the time, Mike, do you want kids? And I say 99% sure I don't want kids. So I will (laughs) potentially be a solo ager. I do see myself potentially getting married, um, but no kids. So what if I do become 90 years old. Who is going to take care of me? And I'm assuming there are many stats out there, many uh, numbers that she could probably relay to us that uh, show that the baby boomers, the ones that don't have kids, who is taking care of them? How can they uh, get through these later stages in life? So, uh, Sarah, thanks so much for being here. And tell us a little bit about the genesis of the book.
1: Sarah, thanks for having me, Mike. Um, yeah, I, my my story on the genesis of the book is uh, kind of says it all. I was having a glass of wine with a friend of mine about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. And she uh, she usually, you know, calls me or I call her, we see each other a couple times a month, but I hadn't seen her in quite a while. So I asked her I said, Sandy, what's going on? How come I haven't seen you? And she said, well, i have been spending my life on an airplane flying back and forth from the West Coast, where we live, to the East Coast, where her mother is. And she was having to take her mother on various exploratory trips to find a senior living um, community for her because she was 87 and just struggling to live on her own. So they finally, after several trips, they found the community that she liked. But the job wasn't over. Then Sandy and her brother had to get their mom moved. They had to sell her condominium. They had to get rid of all her stuff that she couldn't take with her. Um, not to mention the, uh, the sorting of the stuff that had, taken, that had taken place before that. So it had taken Sandy the better part of a year and she wasn't done yet. So I, she and I, neither of us have children. And I looked at her and I said, Sandy, who's going to do all that for us?
0: <laughs> light bulb went on. There you yeah, go. Yeah,
1: light bulb for sure. And that was the question that started me on the trajectory that led to the book and led to my speaking engagements all over the country about this topic. Because uh, I, after doing a little, very little research, I discovered that no one was talking about it. And the only name they had for it, the only name that popped up in any of the research with a name that was coined by the medical community for people that came in that couldn't list a next of kin. And they started calling them elder orphans. And I just hated that. It's a terrible word. A it terrible is. It's terribly negative. So I just decided I was not going to follow suit. And um, with the uh, the help of my husband, who's very good at naming things, we came up with the term solo ager. So I talk about solo agers and solo aging quite a bit these days, it really became my full time career. Uh, The book came out in 2018. And uh, even even at that time, that was six years ago now. Is that that right? Yeah, five and a half. And um, even at that time, solo aging as a thing hadn't caught on, but boy, it sure did during the pandemic years.
0: Oh, yes. What we're seeing now yeah. is a growing trend of uh, childless couples and yes. it's well, becoming more common. Is that right?
1: it It is. Um, it It is definitely becoming more common. I don't look at and I, I have narrowed my focus to the baby boom generation and a little bit into the Xers because they're coming along now, too. But what I discovered quite early is that baby boomers went childless by choice or by circumstance at a rate of almost double that of all previous generations. Wow. And yeah, it is a wow, but it's not rocket science to figure out how that happened. When you uh, think about your, your history, Mike, <laughs> when you look back at, at what was going on in the late sixties and early seventies, um, birth you know, control we pill, had...
0: the birth control pill, there it is.
1: that was, that was number one, but there was something else too. And that was the whole push for women's liberation, for women to be equal partners in a marriage for women to have equal opportunities and the, um, Uh, enough noise was made about that, thanks to me and others like us that marched and wrote letters and called Congress people and all kinds of things. It it didn't lead to the Equal Rights Amendment actually passing, but it was almost a moot point by then because uh, industry, government, everyone took notice and things started to change. Uh, By 1972 or 3, Women were being allowed into all of the elite colleges. Um equal opportunity laws were passed. And in addition to the colleges, lots of career fields opened up to baby boomers that had baby boomer women that had never been opened before. medicine, law, science, you name it. And you know the result is that with your generation, you have almost equal numbers of men and women in any almost any profession you could name. So that all led to women have, being able to support themselves without the help of a man for the first time ever. And it led to a lot more choice about having children or not. And people like me and my friend Sandy and millions more like us decided that motherhood just wasn't our path. Right. We got married, but motherhood just wasn't
0: in the cards right and and so one study i've come across is uh and, and maybe you've come across it too where uh happiness levels i uh, mm-hmm. they did one in the 60s i think it might have been the 60s or 70s but then compared it to to now to today and it showed that women have more opportunity and more freedom but we're less happy now is did you notice any type of trend or were you able to find data on that um because that to me was really shocking. Right? They, they have the equal opportunity and all that, but they seem to be less satisfied with life. And I don't know if it had to do with hmm. their, their, their choice not to have kids, or maybe they were lacking something in life, but I don't know. I, I saw that and I didn't know the answer. So I don't know if you came across anything like that.
1: Uh, I didn't, Mike. And one of the things that's important to remember about my research and what I'm doing is I'm focusing on older adults. And happiness research on older adults shows that as people get older, they become happier with their lot as long as they have their basic needs met, they have food and shelter and and uh, some kind of a... Uh, income that's enough to support their, um, even a, a modest lifestyle, it money becomes less important than relationships. Yeah. So, um, you may have stumbled onto some research that I did not, but I wasn't looking at overall statistics. Yeah. This was, was like 35 year old adults. women
0: now as compared to 35 yeah. year old women back then. So very, yeah. B- okay. difference. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So interesting though.
0: Yeah. So what you said there is that's pretty fascinating, and as long as their needs are met. And so within your book, what do you propose? Um, when does this retirement planning start, and what are the first couple steps? Uh, and, and the reason why I bring this up is because um, my mom just passed in uh, in May of this year. And my dad is now uh, very close to me, so I stop by as much as possible and I'm thinking, hmm. if my brother and myself we were not around, what would he be doing? But when should he have been planning for this stage to be on his own so uh, that's why I'm very curious about this, and uh, where does it begin, and when does it begin
1: um it's you know it's interesting when I wrote the book in two thousand eighteen, and of course, I was writing it for a couple of years before that, I didn't have. I didn't have a lot of answers. I just had a lot of questions. I was raising awareness. At this point, um, I do have some answers. And I have met with hundreds and hundreds of solo wagers in all kinds of situations. And yes, it's important to start planning. But the way that you start planning is is different. And and let me be very clear, this is not a, a financial book at all. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a any kind of financial person in fact I you know barely passed math so <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about the social and emotional side of retirement which is honestly in my opinion again as long as your basic needs are met a lot more important than money mm-hmm. so um for for solo wagers or people who think that they probably will be solo wagers and, and let me back up a minute because I no longer define solo wagers as simply somebody who doesn't have children, which I did initially. But I got so much pushback from other people in in different circumstances that I thought, okay, okay, I give up. You're a solo wager too. So I now define it as anyone. You got bullied. Who, Is that what you're saying? You right, got bullied, Sarah? I got, got bullied it. into changing my definition. Um, it now really applies to anyone who is aging or anticipates aging without the support of family. Mm, Okay. So uh, because as you look throughout history and even throughout cultures, the people who are morally obligated to take care of their elders are family, blood relations. So when you look at it in that kind of a very clinical, straightforward way um that's the that's the long and the short of it if you're not going to have family support of some kind um you better start making some preparations to do something with your life that'll provide you with community and community is key it's one of the keywords i use throughout the book throughout all my talks and community can come in many ways for uh for a lot of people their family is their community and that's fine but for many family lives too far away, Um, they're estranged, Um, they're totally dysfunctional. There's all kinds of situations today that render people as solo agers. Um, Many people uh, have children and their relationship with their children is just not one that they can count on. I also have people that say to me, and I wish I had a dollar bill for every time someone says to me, I don't want to be a burden to my children. My own mother used to say that. I don't want to be a burden to my children. Yeah. Well, you know, that's fine and good for you. Plan early, but you're not a solo wager. If you simply don't want to be a burden, you know, that's good thinking. That's very proactive thinking, but you're not a solo wager. So I suspect that sounds like your dad lives somewhere near you. Yep. And uh he's not a solo wager. He has you. Yeah. But he should, in addition to having you, plan on building a community around him. And that might mean staying where he is, or it might mean moving. There's lots and lots of ways to develop and maintain community in life. And it doesn't often happen very well in what we now think of as you know suburban communities where Everybody drives into their garage and never sees a neighbor unless they, unless there's an earthquake or a flood or something and everybody has to rush out. Um, I live in Santa Rosa, California, where, as you know, we had some very big fires the last few years. And those kinds of things tend to draw neighbors together more than they had in the past because people are, and, and the pandemic too, um, my neighbors, uh, my husband and I were out with our neighbors having socially distanced happy hours and socially distanced bring-your-own-everything dinner. And those kind of things worked because we we were all kind of confined to our homes in many ways. But home being a stone's throw from somebody else's home, you made the effort. Whereas day-to-day life, your social connections usually uh, don't involve your neighbors. hmm uh, in some places they do. I mean, some people are really proactive about having block parties and whatnot, and they build community right there in their neighborhood on their cul-de-sac or whatever. But most people do not. Their community tends to be wherever they work, wherever they worship, um, whatever they do in the in the community. A lot of solo wagers that, that are defined that fall into that category because they don't have children, get very involved in um, the larger community activities. They get involved in, after their working years are behind them, then they get involved in volunteer work and um, just other activities that bring them into um, kind of into the circles of other people. But with COVID, we saw a lot of that kind of thing going on to Zoom. Yeah. And Zoom was a, is a fabulous tool. We're using it right now. But I'd like to see people stop doing that for things like book clubs and any you know any kind of, of uh, meetings. Uh, yeah, it's convenient. Yeah, it's less um, less of a hassle, uh, less risk, but it's not good for the social fabric of our society. No, that gets a little off topic, but it's especially not good for older adults who need who need community beyond what they used to have at their work site, uh, which they may or may not still be in. So, yeah, lots of ways to answer that.
0: Yeah. So two things come to mind. My assumption I I have not read your book yet, but uh, I would I would assume that within there essential retirement planning would would include creating more hobbies. And then the other part, making sure you have a pet in the household. I do believe I am a dog maniac, right? <laughs> I think it adds so much purpose to an individual's life. The moment you come home or you wake up, you see that dog, you know you have something to do, something to take care of. So it gives you a little bit more life. For someone. And then the fact of a hobby on top of it gives you something to look forward to. Those two aspects, are they in your book? Do you talk about that? Do you agree with those?
1: I do I do agree with those to a point. Um, again, one of the things that doesn't didn't come into your words anyway, talking about those two things is other people. So I encourage people yes to figure out what they enjoy doing, hobbies, and find groups to either do it with, talk about it with, compare notes with. Just find other people. And I think women tend to do that a little more easily and naturally than men.
0: But I would agree with that.
1: But you know, introverted women and uh, men who don't t- typically do that by nature, um, I think need to practice it, need to learn how to do it. Some people just don't naturally gravitate to other human beings, but that's it's a learned skill. So now on to the dog. Um, <laughs> dog or cat. I'm not I, against cats anymore. No, I used no, to be actually, Now I agree I like cats. <laughs> cats are wonderful, but dogs are wonderful in a different way. Um, they both cause you to have another creature in the house that you're responsible for and that's really important. but a dog does something else. You walk your dog. Do you, uh, do you walk your dog, Mike? My
0: dog passed uh, this year. This year earlier too, so yeah. it was a tough oh, year. And but you uh, another one
1: yeah. What was, so? Uh, it's another... one of those. Th-
0: we'll get another one very soon. <laughs> I just I can't cheat on the dog. I can't get him I right know. away. So uh, yeah, we're it. That and what's really funny, and this is sort of off topic, but my mom was struggling financially. But she said, for her past what fourteen years since we had the dog, the moment palsy's not around i don't want to be here anymore she said that over and over and over swear to god for years well he passed and she died a week later so i mean there is something to be said about the power of words and so you know it was a really tough week there tough two weeks
1: yeah i bet well you made it through it and you know there'll be wonderful memories as a residual for you
0: But we will get Uh, another dog, and I'm going to get one for my dad or or, or a cat, one of the two.
1: (laughs) But consider a dog first, because let me get back to my first question. When um, palsy was around, did you walk her,
0: him? Him, him, yeah. Did you walk him? Uh, yes. Uh, my brother really did all the, most of the walking, but I would help out or my dad would be there. So, uh, he was sort of a family dog where he would be my, we, my brother, myself and my dad, we all live pretty close. So Mm -hmm. it's great to just stop over. We would always stop over and see each other. And so the dog was always around. And so most people would, uh, most of us would just contribute to, uh, helping out the dog.
1: And did you have people that came up to you and said, oh, what a nice dog?
0: Oh, yeah. He's the cutest beagle. He's a little fat, but he's cute. (laughs) Yeah, of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is the important part. (laughs) I have one friend who um, lived uh, near me in my previous neighborhood, and uh, she and her husband also were solo agers, uh, and they got a dog. And her husband worked so she didn't, you know, she didn't see that much of him. Silicon Valley people work nine hours a day, and um, but she started taking this dog to the dog park every day at five o'clock. She went to the dog park with this dog, and what do you think happened? Oh, she the friendships, formed, the
0: bonds, oh, yeah, my it makes gosh. sense. She
1: formed a community. Those people, if you didn't show up at five o'clock, she would get a call say, Are you okay? Is the dog okay? And uh they used to get together for potlucks, they used to get together to go to movies. That That's was our community.
0: Oh, so yeah.
1: community can come from anywhere. And it can, and it definitely comes from a dog. The problem with a cat is even though they're lovely to have in the house, you can't walk them. I mean, I have seen a few people trying, I'm sure it's a curiosity piece. But when you walk a dog, you meet people, you meet your neighbors, you meet people at the dog park. It's a really, it's a really useful social tool in addition to being a wonderful companion.
0: Great point. Never really thought about the community that's built upon having a dog. Yeah. I always uh, just attribute the the happiness from, you know, having something to look forward to or a, a, a dog that relies upon you. But wow, you're right. When you walk the dog, it's you see the neighbors, you have the conversation, they check in on you, you go to a dog park, people come up to you, build friends. Great point.
1: Yeah. So yeah, all kinds of different ways to build community. But that's really what's important. It'll be important for your dad, even though he has the two of you. um, Be important for him to have some peers, people that he can hang out with, uh, people that enjoy the same things he does or just live in the same community.
0: So um, this is, uh, I think, an in- interesting piece to this. Um, I think people growing up right now, I'm 39 years old, I'm noticing individuals not having kids as much. Um, have you dove into maybe why that's the case? Is it simply because of, you know, now that there's options, more uh, financial independence or is it the fear of what's happening out in society? This is a. You said you're you were working with mostly boomers, so maybe this isn't in your book. But just by being involved in this topic, uh, have you noticed why most people are not having kids? Is it is it as simple as hey, I know my pathway and I want to build businesses, or I want financial independence, I want freedom, I can travel. Are you Are you noticing any trend of why it's happening more so now than ever?
1: No. Again, out of my wheelhouse. Okay. Um, I'm studying older adults. I could wager some guesses. I'm sure that, that what started with the boomers has been true for successive generations of women. And that's that, hey, I can choose. I can take care of myself. I can make as good a living as any man. And I don't need the the hassle and the worry and the concern of having a, a permanent partner. Um, I can do whatever I want. So I can't, I'm I'm guessing that that's a big contributory factor, but I don't know. I don't study that.
0: Elon Musk, and I don't know if you follow his, uh, his Twitter uh, account. I try not to. Okay. Well, he (laughs) talks about how the population uh, potentially uh, is either right now at its highest or was at its highest, and it will continually go down as time goes on. So Uh, population. Maybe we have lived in the period where the world had the most population at one point. And it seems like, you you don't think so? Do you think it's a, do you think most? I mean, that's very,
1: that's a very Western centric. That's a very Western centric view.
0: Do you believe that this um, childlessness is a common characteristic of United States people, not so much maybe Europe and uh, anywhere else, or is it just global? Are you noticing?
1: um I again it's uh, kind of out of my wheelhouse but um <clears throat> first world countries are definitely all experiencing a dearth of population boom uh, Japan has it very badly um, most of Western Europe also has seen greatly drastically declining population growth um but that's just not true in what we call the third world countries it's just it's it's not, it, that's not happening there. So what's that going to mean? Well, I, I, I mean, I could get into, <laughs> I don't want to get into politics, but, you know, t- to tip just a toe in the water, I think it's going to require us to have some very drastically different immigration policies, or we're not going to have the workers to do the work we need.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. So you're saying that, yeah, you, you're noticing the trend and, and something's got to be adjusted. That's what you're. Oh, yeah. We
1: wow. don't have the people. I mean, look at the,
0: the employment statistics are pretty pretty daunting. So what what I'm noticing, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, because I haven't done a lot of research on this, but I believe there are more jobs open yeah, uh yeah so than workers, right? So right. is that what's hap- so it's not an unemployment issue as there's not enough jobs. There's 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 a lot of jobs. We just need work. Is that right? Right.
1: We need workers. We need, lo- workers, uh, we need a lot of workers at the entry level, let's call it that, that immigrants have always done throughout the history of our country. We don't have those immigrants now.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And so uh, one thing that I've done a little bit of research on, but I'm a Jordan Peterson fan. Are you, are you, do you like Jordan Peterson? Have you <laughs> no, ever heard of,
1: I don't know the name.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, <laughs> a clinical psychologist said, if there's one invention that changed the world and people underestimate it, it is the birth control pill. And it, whether you realize good or bad, however you believe it, it is one thing that completely changed the world forever. And so within this baby booming uh, stage, right, this is where it all started to change simply because now individuals had choice. Did your research ever go back to like, wow, this is such a, fork in the road for the world to change. Did you, did you find anything out about the birth control pill and how people started to live differently simply because of that invention?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> again, uh, most people who specialize in a field like I have have to keep their focus pretty narrow in order to keep up with just what's happening in that area alone. So no, I I don't step out there and look at it in a more with a more global eye
0: um,
1: or a more um, or a a historical eye that goes beyond just what was happening in those days that affected what's going on right now. Got it. So and that as it pertains to older adults, as it pertains to where they're going to live later in life and how they're going to uh, thrive later in life
0: and in your book do you outline any type of pattern of individuals moving to certain states or uh you you talk about community Have, have you noticed that solo agers are migrating to a florida or to a california or to a texas or somewhere south so they have the weather is there any solution for individuals who are solo agers or maybe let's just say they don't have any family or kids to go certain places, therefore, they have the best chance of survival, but thriving also.
1: Well, a, a good solution for baby boomers is to move, if especially if they don't have community where they are, um, is to move to a community, to a senior living community, often called retirement communities. Um, some of them are very fancy and very expensive and you know, manage everything you need to have managed in your life. Um, others are much more modest. Um, there are <clears throat> there's signs of a real uptick in home sharing, so that among seniors, so that they're not alone, which means that a senior opens his or her house to another senior or two or three, depending on how big the house, and is basically renting a room. Uh, they also there's also evidence that seniors are successful doing that with with uh, younger generations to renting rooms to younger generations to again I'm not talking about the necessity of having a um an age bracketed community Community is everyone of, of can be and probably should be um, intergenerational so home sharing is is popular um the co-housing movement I'm a, I'm a big fan of co-housing. Um, again, it's it's on the more expensive side, but for anyone who owns a home, that home, the equity in that home, can usually be transferred to a senior community, a a, um, a life plan community, or a um, kind of a more modest retirement community, without. Um, without a a loss of income or a strain on finances, but it takes some research. People need to really get out and see what's out there because very honestly, one thing that I've discovered is when people hear the term retirement home or retirement community, their mind immediately goes to that horrible, nasty nursing home that their grandmother was in.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that it couldn't be further from the truth today. The retirement communities out there range from places like Margaritaville in the southeast. Um, there's those are are hugely popular.
0: It's called Margaritaville.
1: Um, it's called Margaritaville. And Jimmy Buffett uh you know, they they licensed that term and he even before he while well, he was still alive, um, visited those communities with some regularity. And those wow. these, these communities are for people that want to spend the rest of their lives drinking margaritas and you know. <laughs> getting drunk every night and dancing and uh, anyway there's a lot of boomers out there that are are drawn to that kind of thing now that doesn't provide you with um any assistance as you need it later in life <clears throat> but it certainly provides you with a community so um you know there's that and there's assisted living and there's um continuing care retirement communities They range all over the map in terms of what they cost, what they offer. And I encourage, especially solo agers, but all older people to get out and look at what your alternatives are as you get older. AARP has made the term aging in place very popular. They started using it about, I don't know, 12 or 15 years ago, and and kind of pushed it It as like, everybody should prepare to age in place, age in place. Well, there couldn't be a worse idea for most solo agers. Aging in place can be a total recipe for isolation and loneliness. There are other places to age. You're not, you're not glued to your home. Um, There's ways to let go of those things you've collected for the last 50 years and probably should (laughs) Dress <laughs> yourself of some of that.
0: So, yeah. you said this is not a financial book, but um do you have any tips within your book that uh give uh somebody type of uh somebody a solution on getting their finances in order or getting their health in order. As everybody knows, mm-hmm. the, the longer you stay on this earth, your health costs go up and uh your income goes down. So, yep. managing your health obviously becomes way more important as you age. And uh, I would assume having your finances in order uh, become very scary for those who maybe have not taken the right steps early on. So any tips on those?
1: I I do have tips in the book in both areas. Financially, I encourage everyone to just purchase an hour of a financial planner's time. Even if you don't want to hire a financial advisor or financial planner to manage your money, that's fine. You can manage your own money. But they have the access to wonderful spreadsheets that they can plug numbers into. And the kind of numbers that ought to be plugged in are what is your income? What is your outflow? And what is your anticipated uh, retirement income, Social Security, starting with Social Security and uh, maybe other sources of income that you have in retirement, your IRA um, accounts, your maybe work based retirement accounts? Anyway, they can factor all of that in and tell you pretty quickly whether you're on the right glide path. (laughs) Um, And if you're spending yourself into an early, Penury. In other words, if you're going to be penniless later in life, if you continue on your current pace, it's time for some adjustments. And they're very, most of them are very, very good at being able to do that and they can do it pretty quickly. So I advise that. Um, there are lots of good ways to find a financial advisor and I have those listed in the book. And that's a topic for another day. Um, but I also talk about health. I think I have. The whole chapter on health, and you know, I'm not—I don't say anything groundbreaking or new about health in the book. It's the same old saw of how to keep yourself healthy, how to how to eat right, how to you know exercise—the importance of exercise, the importance of controlling your weight. It's—I it, just felt like it ought to be at least a chapter of the book, and and it is. So that part is of good. my belief system.
0: The the key, I believe, is mobility. And there are stats yeah. out there that show, I think, and I'm I may be wrong on this, but the moment somebody loses total mobility, they last, I think, like the on average three years. So that, that is true. It, there's something like that out there, and I could probably pull it up, but um, that right there, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta protect your mobility, right? Being able yeah. to uh, get around on your own and uh and whatever you could do to do that, um, I would always mm-hmm. assume that, you know, managing your weight and making sure that you get mobility and having uh, therapy done is uh, the, the the two solutions that are pretty easy um, to, to, yeah. to implement, maybe not to stay with it, but to, to implement. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about there, because uh, mobility by far is uh, what keeps people, um, I guess, uh, wanting to stay alive. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, most people find it extremely depressing to lose their mobility or to lose their ability to drive, to have to give up the keys to the car. That's a huge transition. Um, And again, having community, having people around you, having those those hobbies, other interests that you can still do um, is really, really important. gosh, baby boomers are having knee replacements and hip replacements and shoulder replacements at a furious pace, and I don't see that letting up anytime soon, Um, I think that if you need to do something like that, the results speak for themselves. Um, Generally, Medicare, which anyone over 65 has, Medicare pays the lion's share of that. And if you have a, medic, a Medicare um, Advantage program covers it, and Medi- Medigap insurance, if you have the regular Medicare program, those almost inevitably cover it. So, you know, yeah, it's, you're going to go through a um, a down cycle with that. But the other side, if you talk to people who have had those operations done, they're just thrilled with the results. So yeah do what's necessary to keep yourself mobile the other statistic that a lot of people don't um give much weight to which is also very important in terms of looking forward um so people don't talk much about decline and death and you know it it happens to us all
0: <laughs> you can't escape so, it
1: <laughs> you can't escape it nobody gets out of this alive <laughs> so here, A friend of mine once uh, developed this formula with her mother. It was tongue-in-cheek, of course, but I love to use it. She said what they decided they wanted is to be happy, 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 happy dead." <laughs> yes. Hey, <laughs> you know, I think that's no like the
0: greatest equation ever right there.
1: Exactly. No decline. Just live life to the fullest right up to the moment that you don't, and boom, it's over. Well, that's a wonderful thought. And yes, that does happen for some people. But it's also important to understand that the statistics on that are not in favor of that happening. 70% of older adults are going to need some kind of aid in their life. And of course, the longer you live, the more chance you're going to have have to have someone helping you do something. Some of the activities of daily living, bathing and dressing, and transferring to from one from a bed to a chair or whatever; those are things that AIDS help help people with. Um, you, if, if you are lucky, I think I like to use I like to look at it that way. If you are lucky, you will see your eighties and your 90s, and maybe even your 100s. There are, I don't I don't know what the last count is, but I think it's well over a million people in the U.S. that are over 100. I have a friend whose grandmother just died at 111. Wow. So it's happening. We are extending our lifespan. Longevity is happening. Um, it's happening mostly for people who take good care of themselves. Uh, not going to happen if you don't take good care of yourself. So, you know, your choice.
0: Wow. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is the uh, purpose keeps people alive. And uh, throughout your research, did you notice anybody um, w- never want to retire? Uh, as an entrepreneur, oh, yeah. I, I
1: I haven't I, retired.
0: Yeah, right. So <laughs> there is something to be said about that. Having the want to keep going with this mission that you're on. So. Um, mm-hmm. What have you found out when it comes to purpose and maybe the entrepreneur mentality? It seems like you have the the entrepreneur mentality when it comes to even just having this book out there, promoting it and sharing the wisdom. Uh, how much does that play a factor in longevity, but also happiness and maybe even freedom?
1: That's huge. And I do follow a lot of that. Uh, before I wrote the book, I was mostly doing retirement coaching. It, which in itself is a second career for me, but I don't have to go into that. But in retirement coaching and studying what people need to have a happy "quote unquote" retirement, which means something beyond um, that eight to five job that you eventually stop doing, is critical. People need a meaning to they need meaning in their life. They need a reason to get up in the morning. Right. So. Uh, it can be so many different things. I mean, it can be anything from volunteering at the humane society to, um, I don't know, sell, being a, a salesperson for something that you believe in, solar or whatever. You can do so much, and there's a huge push today to get older workers back into the into the workplace because we don't have enough people to fill the jobs, and yet. Ageism is restricting a lot of potential job matches with people who simply don't look like the person that they, you know, the hiring company might have envisioned initially. But the generations have much to offer one another in the workplace. so. Um, so I, I encourage people to continue working at something, whether you make money at it or not. Now, if you need to make money, one of the things I have in my book is a whole laundry list of things you can do once you leave your eight to five job to continue to make money. And, you know, everything from being a dog walker or a pet sitter to being a greeter at Walmart. So there's just dozens of things. And many older adults are becoming entrepreneurs entrepreneurs over 50 are a lot more successful i'm sorry i can't state the exact statistic but they are much more successful than younger entrepreneurs why well maybe they have a little more money to invest but maybe they have a lot more knowledge about wisdom. how the world works and how people communicate with one another and and how um what a smart investment is it's just you know got more mileage on them (laughs) and and with that comes learning
0: right and there's more faith from the marketplace in them right because they're Mm -hmm. not so fly by night uh like basically where i would think that i would trust somebody who's a little bit older in the years simply because they've seen more they've done more and they might have more of a uh an an, an advantage when it comes to self-awareness so uh very crucial that, um, you know, if you do start a business when you're older, you might have a better chance. Or it sounds like you do for sure have a better chance than if you started when you were 20. That's very good. Uh, I didn't right. know that really.
1: Right. Well, you know, there obviously are successful 20 year olds who've started careers. We all know the household names. Um, and again, I'm in here in Northern California, so my mind always goes to the tech industry. Mm-hmm. But it, those, Those people are few and far between. Most people in their 20s and and well into their 30s need to learn the ropes, whatever that means of whatever profession they want to pursue, um, whatever uh, business they want to start, go work in one first, go learn about business itself. You don't learn in school. I don't care if you go to the Wharton Business School to get your MBA, um, you just don't learn in school what you're going to learn on the job in terms of building teams, working with people, making concessions, negotiating. It's it, And all of those things happen every day in business.
0: If you guys are listening, what she said is you better start a business than write a book. That's the answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Become an entrepreneur, share your wisdom, and grow your business. That's great. Uh, so last question I have for you, and we ask everybody this, um, outside of your book, what is one book that changed your life, maybe put you on a path to a, a defining moment?
1: Mm. Oh, gosh. I read a lot. I, I read a lot of fiction. Um, I read some nonfiction. Ooh, if I answer, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know.
0: I would assume a nonfiction book was maybe a defining moment book. So you tell me which one that kind of stands out as if you can go back to your former self and say, hey, read this book, which one would it be? Yeah,
1: I I, (laughs) I, I do read a lot, but I can't think of one book that particularly that would be acceptable to share on the show anyway. Um, that really changed
0: my life. Um, my life just, went while, so while many Why you're thinking? I one that stands out in my life is Rich Dad Poor Dad. I I keep this behind me. Have you ever read that book at all? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's oh, really, by I, again, I
1: know of it. In fact, my book was is this right. My book was published. No, sorry. I I know the people that that the Rich Dad Poor Dad authors work with um
0: Sharon Lecter have you heard of that name before
1: no okay um, yeah but let's not go there (laughs) all right um I I I certainly know of the book but because of the kind of the gender um leaning I I didn't choose to read it I can't think I'm so sorry but I can't think of a business book that made a difference in my life doesn't have to be a business book
0: it could be uh you know, I read a book called Hatchet when I was a kid, and that was one of the first books that I read from from start to finish. And it was probably the only book I read start to finish willingly up until Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was probably 15 years <laughs> later. So uh, one got me reading, but the other one got me to fall in love with reading. So those are two books. But any book in general would be great if you want. Well, to share.
1: you know, a book that came out <clears throat> about 10 years ago that really had a profound in, impact on my thinking about nature and the world around me, uh, is called the overstory. Hmm. It was a bestseller. It may still be, you know, popping on and off the bestseller list. Um, I think the author is Richard Powers. Um,
0: and it's a yeah, fiction I'm book in, then? Uh,
1: yes, it is. It is fiction. Um but it is uh, draws a lot of uh, paints a picture of how nature impacts human beings and vice versa um, quite profoundly.
0: Beautiful. It's At a least book you came up with one That's a, love a, or hate the average person, you know, the 58% of people <laughs> never read a book outside of high school ever again. So usually well, they, whenever I talk to somebody, I say, what's your favorite book? They could probably list one because they've only read one, I, but it sounds like you've read many. So that's why it's so difficult to sift through them all, which I commend you because I'm
1: in, I'm in two book clubs,
0: <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, each of that which makes reads sense. a book
1: a month. So that's 24 <laughs> books a year minimum.
0: Oh, that's great, Dan. Yeah. The more you read, and I think it just adds clarity. The more you read and the more you write, you're doing both. Clarity (laughs) uh, comes as a result. And uh, writing, to me, is the uh, deepest level of thought. And I think Jordan Peterson said that at one point. So maybe you noticed that, too. Anyways. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's my happy place. (laughs)
0: For sure. It gets you into that moment where you're like, just you one with yourself, turn off the phone, turn off all the devices and just get your thoughts down on a piece of paper. The book guys is called essential, essential retirement planning for solo agers. And I will say, Sarah, that I love that phrase. I've never heard that before, but solo agers, a retirement and aging roadmap for single and childless adults. You have 177 reviews on Amazon and that's pretty hard to get. So well done on that. And uh, the best way to get a well, hold of the, you, I think you have a website here, lifeencore.com. Tell mm-hmm, us a little bit about mm-hmm.
1: that. Yeah, lifeencore.com. Life Encore was the name that I called my business when I was doing retirement coaching. Um, it was a great name for that. But I, you know, I continued with that name, even though I don't do Retirement coaching or work with individuals per se. Now, what you'll find on that website is that my business is professional speaking. I see myself as the Pied Piper of solo agers, and I speak to groups of solo agers wherever I can find them. I speak to people in the aging field, the field of aging, and and the field of senior living, um, and that's pretty much my life these days. So that's what you'll find when you go to that website.
0: Wow. So you travel around and speak many events. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No wonder you're a great interview because you're very (laughs) clear-minded and you can uh, articulate your thoughts very well. So uh, yeah, no wonder you get a lot of speaking gigs. And the importance of writing a book will help you get your message out there because people see you as somebody who's significant in the field. And they say you have expertise and authority in the space. Let's get you out here. And I guarantee you connect with that audience even more so than even if they read your book, right? They see you, they feel your passion and therefore you can move the needle in their life.
1: Yeah, that's really what I'm looking for. And my big news this month is the book just hit 10, just went over 10,000 in sales.
0: Oh my God, that's so, great. Yeah, yeah. Well done. I yeah. thought it
1: would do that by the end of the year, but it did it this month, so. And you Must said it came
0: had... out, let me see what year was it, 2019? Or that was the 20, audible date, 2018. 2018. Yeah. wow guys pick it up yeah. check it out um essential retirement planning great to give to your mom your dad your grandparents or anybody around that's uh you know thinking about this right now so christmas is coming up maybe this is a good time to get it so <laughs> sarah point, Mike. thank you so much for being here i really uh, appreciate your time this is very interesting because i've never interviewed anybody on this topic so uh thank you very much anything else you want to share with You're our audience welcome.
1: No, thank you for asking me to be on the show. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure talking to you. I love what you're doing and good luck with it.
0: Thank you very much. Guys, a million dollar book will lead to a million dollar life. Right on.